It's hot. A heat wave that has been baking much of the western United States, catching California's energy grid off guard. Rolling blackouts occurred for the first time in nearly 20 years over the past few days, and the conditions that caused this are unlikely to let up until later in the week. Here's what you need to know about this situation. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. To get a deeper understanding of what's going on right now, and it is a developing story, we have two reporters on, Gary Robbins, who covers science and weather, among other things, and Rob Nikoleski, who is the UT's business reporter who covers energy. So, Rob, can you first set the scene with these conditions? What position was the energy grid right now in? Can you kind of give us a lay of the land? Well, right now, I just got off the phone with a conference call with the California independent system operator, the CAISO, and they're the ones who manage the grid for about 80% of California. They say that we're still pretty much on the razor's edge. Uh, They are anticipating that we could have some more rolling outages tonight, but they said we're basically the same conditions today and tonight that we did yesterday, and yesterday we were able to avoid that. And they said today during the conference call, the big reason why we were able to avoid that was because of a combination of a number of companies, big energy users who shed load yesterday, also a number of average Joes and Janes across California who reduced their energy usage. And also they got a little bit more imports from some outlying neighboring states. So that was able, those three things in combination were able to get them over the hump, so to speak. And they're in that same position tonight, and I guess we are as an entire state. So we'll see what happens. But as you mentioned at the top of the broadcast, you know, the weather's going to continue to stay warm. And the weather is a big reason why we're having these problems with the energy grid, because it's not just in California where it's hot, it's also in neighboring states. And California imports about one-fourth of their energy uh, from uh, from neighboring states. And those neighboring states are hot, and they're using that energy for themselves, quite rightly, and they're not able to export that to California. Mm-hmm. And Gary, can you give us a sense of the kind of weather complications that we're having right now? So this is an unusual system and a historic system. We usually get uh, heat waves that last two or three days in California, even in the summer. Some of the worst heat waves are in July. What's happening now is really bizarre because we have this high pressure system that is unusually large and it's unusually deep. It covers about six states. It's centered over Utah. And most high pressure systems move and so they move on. Uh, But this one is not moving. So it's continuing to provide really sunny skies, um, mostly dry skies. One weather forecaster said it's like the opposite of a hurricane. Everything is hot and warm and stable uh, instead of being, you know, really turbulent. Um, The result today here on Tuesday was that there were more than 50 communities in San Diego County that hit 100 degrees or higher, going from like Miramar to the inland, but all the way down to the border and all the way up into the corner in places like Rainbow and then places closer to the coast were uh, 90 degrees. Um, And it's had this profound effect because the high pressure is so deep, it's kind of pushing the marine layer down and squashing it and pushing it offshore. As it does that, it allows for the cool of of the warming of the coastal waters. So a few days ago, you know, the uh, ocean temperatures uh, in San Diego County were about 65 degrees. In many places right now, they're up to 75 because they've warmed up in the past couple of days due to this system. So that does a couple of things. We feel the intense heat all day long. 
Um, and then the air is more humid because we have ocean water that's really warm as well. In fact, uh, between now and next Monday, the temperature at night in San Diego is not going to drop below 70 degrees. So just kind of recap, you have this unusually big system that's really deep uh, in an area that's covering 65 million people in the western United States. It's just not moving. Uh, tomorrow will probably be about as bad as it was today. We don't get any real relief until uh, Friday, and the forecasters say you'll barely notice it even then. Mm. So it sounds like there's just a lot of different factors really straining the energy grid, you know, as people crank the AC. So, Rob, can you explain the decision making that Kyle Iso makes to, you know, choose to turn off power? Walk us through that kind of decision making. Well, on a real basic level, they take a look at what their load forecast is for a given day, how many tens of thousands of megawatts are needed to balance the electric grid. Typically, they said today that they, um, on a typically uh, hot summer day in California, it's around 40,000 megawatts. But now it's a, been about 47,000. It was 47,000 yesterday, 47,000 today. And as we mentioned earlier, because of those constraints, if you don't have imports coming in from other states, uh, then that, that can cause some problems. The other thing that's... Um, that it's a big part of the story is that because I think an average person would say, well, it's always we've always had hot temperatures in California in the past and even sometimes even extreme temperatures like 2006. Why is this one different? What's different is that the electric grid is a lot different than it is. The electric grid today is a lot different than the electric grid that we had back in 2006. Now, back in the back in 2006, the peak point where the grid was most stressed was around 4.30 in the afternoon. That's when temperatures got hot. And that was also when people were coming home from work and they started cranking up the air conditioner. Well, now we've got a lot of solar on the system. In fact, we have so much of it, we can't absorb all of it. We as, a, as an energy system can't absorb it in the state um, during, during the daylight hours. So now the peak period is pushed off Instead of 4.30 being the peak period, the peak period now is around 7.30, 8 o'clock. And because solar generation goes down when solar sets, because you're not able to get any solar generation when it's dark, when because uh, we've got a lot of that peak generation uh, during the day and the peak demand is coming much later in the day, you have this disconnect. You have this uh this disconnect in which you need natural gas plants and places like and, and uh, dispatchable sources like that to make up the difference. And in this case, when you're on a ragged edge, as one um, energy advisor told me yesterday, you, you can easily fall off when you've got all these combination of things kind of falling apart all, all at once. Yeah, it really sounds like a true double whammy. And uh, Gary, would you describe uh, the kind of weather situation we're in right now? How unprecedented is this? Is this something that's going to be more common as the climate change? Can you kind of put it in a more kind of longer term uh, climate perspective? So um, uh, Rob just mentioned the year 2006 when there were really intense heat waves. The National Weather Service is waiting for final data, but they're saying that what is happening now uh, rivals what happened in 2006 and a year later in 2007. There was another bad system in 2013. So the final data isn't in yet. It'll be a couple of days because this heat wave just isn't over yet. As to whether it's going to happen 
more often. Um, places like UC San Diego's uh, Scripps Institution of Oceanography studies long-term trends. One of the things that they do is look at the coastal area of California and the Western United States. And they say that over time, these areas are going to get warmer, progressively warmer due to climate change. And not just warmer during the day or as a result, perhaps of even one um, uh, heat wave, but uh, warmer at night as well. So what is it that really makes us feel uncomfortable? You know, after we've kind of been through this all day long, we just want to rest in the evening, but then we have to turn on the AC to try to get uh, cooled off. And a lot of people don't have air, air conditioning, um, so they have to deal with the problem that it's much warmer at night than normal for longer periods of time. The most uh, recent data I saw just before we came on the air here was that the um, overnight temperatures are not going to drop below the 70 to 75 degree range here in, um, in Southern California and in San Diego. So that causes a lot of discomfort for people. It also comes at a time when we're in the middle of a pandemic and we have been pinned down and inside for months. Um, so I think this just adds to the psychological load that people are feeling. You can't point to one particular event and say that's global warming. You point to things cumulative, you know, in accumulation and, and look for a trend. But the trend is for things to become warmer more often and in more severe ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, as the rolling blackouts were first announced, uh, there was some developments in Sacramento. Uh, Rob, can you explain how Newsom responded to the somewhat sudden news that there were going to be rolling blackouts a couple days ago? Yes, Governor Newsom was not happy. Um, I think probably from a political standpoint, that's understandable because the last time we had rolling blackouts, the sitting governor at that time got ousted. Gray Davis was recalled. So, And also, this is something that uh, when you cover the, the energy beat, um, you, you, you think about. Uh, because whenever in, in a developed country like the United States, when you turn your light switch on, the light comes on all the time, all the time. Um, but when it doesn't, people get really, really angry. And it's not just people whining or whatever. It's being, because a lot of people, we, a lot of people, we all rely on electricity. And if you're a person who's hooked up to a medical device, you need electricity all the time, 24-7. So when something like this happens, it's it's really it, it cuts through, you know, there's political posturing on both the left and the right. But when something like this happens, that cuts through all that posturing. People are like, I want my electricity to come on and I want to be able to pay for it for a reasonable fee. And and if if the uh, electricity is not coming on, someone's got to pay for that. And whether it's going to be on a you know, uh, on a political bent or not, that you know, it, it, something's going to happen. Something when when something like that happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just like the pandemic has taken so much away from our lives, this is just yet another insult to injury. But knowing what happened, is there any ways the energy grid can be transformed to prevent this from happening? Is this just because we're in the middle of transforming into a more green grid and we just kind of got unlucky? Or is there a means to kind of capture more of this energy that, you, as you mentioned earlier, can't be stored because it's too much? Yeah, the, well, the it, in the near future, that doesn't help us now, but in the near future, um, renewable energy people point to the fact that, well, we've got all this excess solar that a lot of times we just have to curtail or maybe even sometimes even give to our neighboring states. If we could save up that 
that uh, that energy through battery storage, and then save that save that uh, that energy and deploy it at nighttime when we don't have solar. That can help solve our problems, and that's true. The problem with batteries right now are a they're more expensive, and th than conventional uh, uh, energy, and b most of the battery storage could only release that energy for shorter periods of time, like four hours. Sometimes I've, I've heard of some battery systems uh, on a utility scale that might be able to stretch that out to six hours, but it's dark for more than four hours or more than six hours. So until we get to that point, we need to cross, we, we, have, we have to build that bridge in order to cross it first, and we're not quite there yet. And then there's also, a, a, there's a debate among people, and I mentioned it in my story this morning, that some people say that, hey, we still have a nuclear power plant in California, it's scheduled to shut down up at Diablo Canyon in Northern California. Maybe we should keep that online. Um, but at this point, it's scheduled to be decommissioned starting in 2024. And right now, uh, there seems to be no um, appetite for that from A, state policymakers, and B, Pacific Gas and Electric, which owns Diablo Canyon. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, uh, you know, California's utilities, there's several of them and we're in San Diego Gas and Electric. Is there anything that's specific to SDG&E that is different from the other utilities? Like, is there anything that people in San Diego should keep in mind that's separate from, let's say, what we might be hearing from Pacific or Edison or? Um, I think probably the biggest difference between SDG&E and the other two big investor-owned utilities, PG&E and Southern California Edison, first of all, and, uh, uh, SDG&E has a little bit more renewables on their system. I think it's 45%. The other ones, I think, are um, in the 30-ish range. So there's a little bit more renewables uh, in the SDG&E system. And that also, on an unrelated uh, note, that may contribute to our higher, our higher utility rates. The other big th difference, and it's not directly involved in our discussion between SDG&E and the other two, is that SDG is much more farther along in wildfire mitigation plans. Yeah. And they've spent between 1.5 billion up to $2 billion on wildfire hardening systems across the state. Um, and PG&E, and we saw that evidence last summer when they there were lots of uh, uh, power public, pump, sorry, public safety power shutoffs uh, in order to try to prevent any uh, ignition of wildfires in Northern California. PG&E's had all kinds of problems with that, Southern California Edison to a lesser extent, but they also have larger service territories in SDG&E as well. But SDG&E is considered, to be fair, they are considered to be uh, a leader in wildfire mitigation, but that's not directly tied to what's going on as far as these rolling outages right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is a developing story. Both of you are still, uh, you know, gathering more information about what's going on. Uh, Gary, when you go first, uh, can you explain some questions you're hoping to get answered throughout the rest of the afternoon into the evening? Well, I'm trying to find out whether the um, heat wave actually is going to break today or whether tomorrow will be like today. Because if, if tomorrow is like that, then, you know, we'll be talking to Rob again because the stress on the system uh, will, will be uh, the same. And cities are going to 
if that's the case also, cities are going to have to scramble more in order to provide cooling centers. We have some cooling centers, uh, and we're beginning to get word out of some uh, today that they were heavily used, but at one of the cooling centers, the surrounding air, air temperature was 106 degrees. You know, heat like this really takes it out of the respiratory system of people, particularly older people. It takes it out of pets. There are a lot of people that are sick right now because of the pandemic, and a lot of people are, that are just worn out by, by this all, so they want it to uh, end. So we need a better sense of how long this is really going to last. And we need to have better information about how soon it will go down. So once we get to Thursday, maybe it's five degrees cooler than it is today, for example. Well, that cuts uh, uh, utility costs, but still that's really uncomfortable for a lot of people. So it's the, it's the toll that it's taking on, on people's health, their ability to even get outside to exercise, for example, or walk their dogs. Mm -hmm. And for you, Rob? Well, I'm working on another story in addition to the uh, the Kaiso story for about what's happened today. I'm doing a story um, uh, kind of a dovetailing off the story that I wrote yesterday about the about the uh, the rolling outages and what this means for the grid and whether or not this means a reassessment of what California is going to do when they're as the state tries to make this transition from fossil fuel reliant energy to renewable energy and uh, the jumping off point is is a quote from Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, who's a big um, supporter of renewables, who said, quote, we are not backing off that commitment, quite the contrary, but now we have to, I think, sober up to the reality that in this situation, we're going to have to do more and be much more mindful in terms of our capacity to provide backup and insurance to the grid. So that's um, that's what I'm working on right now. Mm -hmm. All right. Gary Robbins, Rob Nikoleski, thank you both so much and stay cool. Thank you. The fourth annual San Diego Festival of Books, the county's largest celebration of the written word, is going virtual. Like past festivals, you can expect Q&As and panels with award-winning authors from across the country. New for this year, count on poetry readings, a cooking demo, art and writing workshops, and an entertainment hour with local musicians. Visit sdfestivalofbooks.com. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. Today is Tuesday, so listen to the latest episode of Name Drop. Here, the UT's Abby Hamblin and Chris C. Totten interview Brian Marlarkey, a San Diego restaurateur. He's the chef behind Herb and Wood, Anime, and recently competed on Top Chef All-Stars. Name Drop San Diego is available wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is made possible by subscribers to the San Diego Union Tribune. As we live through this momentous time in history, the truth and facts matter. If you are not yet a subscriber, please go to uniontrib.com slash subscribe. Until next time.